This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Why Is Everyone Yelling with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you are joining us today. I hope that this podcast brings you some encouragement and support that you might be looking for. Today's episode is episode 90, and my guest is Dr. Kate Lund. She is a licensed clinical psychologist, published author, and keynote speaker. Kate struggled as a child with a medical condition called hydrocephalus, which made some of the typical activities of childhood challenging. Kate is an international best-selling author of the book Bounce, which is the ultimate guide to help children build resilience and thrive in all areas of life. Today in this episode, we talk about raising confident, optimistic, and happy kids, handling bully and building bulletproof self-belief, and discovering strengths through challenges. This was a really insightful conversation, and I'm really thankful that Kate took time out of her day to speak with me for the podcast. If you enjoy this episode of the podcast, could you please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify, and also just share it with your friends on social media or just send a text message out to someone that you think might find it helpful. This podcast is part of the Sandy Boy Productions Podcast Network. We have quite a few podcasts in the network, but our most recent podcast that we just added is called Ready to Run. And it is hosted by Dr. Efren Kabalis, who is a doctor of orthopedics, and Kurt Roser, who is a doctor of physical therapy. And they work with elite runners and everyday runners. And this podcast, they talk to clinicians and athletes and coaches and share all kinds of helpful information. So if you're an athlete, that is a show you're going to want to check out. It's called Ready to Run. All right, friends, enjoy my conversation with Dr. Kate Lund. Well, today on the podcast, we are talking with clinical psychologist, Dr. Kate Lund. Welcome to the show, Kate. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Glad to be here. So excited to talk with you today. This is a topic that we're going to get into that I am super passionate about, resiliency in our kids, helping them overcome challenges. Let's start with your backstory, Dr. Kate. Can you tell us a little bit about your life growing up? Sure, absolutely. You know, so... A big piece of growing up for me was growing up with a condition called hydrocephalus, which, um, you know, came on out of nowhere when I was four. And essentially what that means is that uh, the cerebral spinal fluid isn't circulating as it should. And it causes headaches, um, vomiting, uh, loss of balance, that sort of thing. And so it made life pretty difficult um, early on. And they put something in called a shunt, which helps to manage the condition. And once that happens, you can go on and live a very ordinary, um, typical life with, you know, a need to be careful, contact sports, that sort of thing. But along the way, there were multiple shunt revisions, lots of time in the hospital, lots of um, sort of time coming back to school, not looking like everybody else, that sort of thing. So you know, I had to figure out how to navigate through those challenges pretty early on such that I could live to my fullest, you know, and so that I could maximize and reach my potential. So that's, that's sort of the, the experience in a nutshell. Yeah. And you know, 
your parents obviously did a really good job kind of ushering you through this, helping you find what you were experienced was your normal. That was your normal. Um, and I'm just curious now looking back, what were some of the things that your parents did that helped you express yourself for who you were and helped you overcome those challenges of feeling different as a kid? Yeah, that's a really, really important point and a great, um, great question. My parents were wonderful with it, you know, and really the biggest piece of it, it was, you know, they supported me through the difficult moments, you know, when I was in the hospital, when I was getting out of the hospital through the recoveries. But when things were okay, when things were sort of typical, so to speak, you know, they expected of me what they expected of my brother, you know, Mm -hmm. I they they sort of created a foundation for me to live as typical a life as possible, despite the fact there was this thing going on in the background that had to be monitored on some level. And I think that that really helped to foster my ability to see myself as capable in the big picture. Yeah. You know, as you're talking about this, I'm just thinking about, you know, when a kid has a struggle or a difference or something that makes them stand out from other kids, they probably don't want to be coddled so much all the time. They want to be treated like their siblings or their their neighbor next door. They want to feel normal, ordinary. Right. right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, it's 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 a really um important sort of balance, right? Mm. Sort of balancing the realities of the challenge with this idea of being typical, ordinary, normal, so to speak. I don't love that word normal, but you know, whatever kind of typical is for you. And they really um, helped me to see and internalize that from an early age, you know, and a big piece of it also was, you know, helping to um, provide me with opportunities to see where my strengths lay, um, see what, what kinds of things, you know, I was good at in the sports domain, for example, you know, I couldn't do contact sports. I couldn't do, you know, gymnastics like all the other little girls. I couldn't hang upside down. And, you know, I was a bit different from that perspective, but it really didn't matter because it kind of came to light early that I was pretty good at tennis. And that was something that they helped me to foster along the way. Um, and that became kind of a defining, um, a defining activity for me in my early life, which was so, so good for me because it really, really allowed me um, in sort of an active, healthy way Mm -hmm. to, you know, feel good about myself and have a real, um, a real skill that I was able to bring to the table. And it helped me to, to integrate socially as well. Okay. So you mentioned you don't really like the word normal. I'm super curious if you are in a conversation with a young kid and it gets brought up, like the kid says, I just want to feel, feel normal. How would you talk to them about that? And like the meaning behind that word and maybe to bring a more healthy perspective to what they're feeling. Cause I totally get what you're saying. Like what mm-hmm. is normal anyway? Right. Exactly. Yeah. And I would probably talk to them about this idea that, you know, typical is sort of what we're looking at because we really want them to understand themselves from the inside out and who they are. And we're really all different, right? And nobody is like their classmate or their peer. And although adolescents, young kids, you know, they want to be just like everybody else and they want to kind of, um, 
identify in that way. But I think it's really important for for us to to break that open for kids, break that down a little bit to understand that, okay, so there really is not a normal here, but there's a typical for you. And that idea of building self-awareness into that idea is, I think, the, the biggest place that I would focus on when it comes to that question. So you end up working in the field of clinical psychology. Mm-hmm. How did your experiences growing up lead you to that? Did you always kind of start leaning towards that sort of interest when you went to college? I did. You know, I really, really did. You know, early on, you know, when all of this was sort of uh, first breaking, um, I would say from a really early age, maybe the age of five all the way through 10, 11, I really thought I was going to be a pediatrician. Hmm. I was really, really into, um, you know, my dad would bring home um, dissection kits and we would work through those at home and, you know, dissect frogs together. And I was really, really interested in that science piece. Um, And then uh, sort of my kind of academic aptitudes became more clear and math became quite challenging for me, for me. And I, I think, in part, that was because I missed almost a whole year of school um, when I was 10 because of a major medical event. But for whatever reason, my um, academic sort of aptitudes evolved in a little bit of a different way. And, you know, I became really interested in sort of the social sciences and writing. And, you know, that led me more to this idea of sort of understanding people. This is sort of in a broad sense early on, and it evolved over time. But by the time I got to college, I knew that psychology was something I was really, really interested in. And I studied it pretty much um, almost exclusively in college. Everything was was circled around psychology, with the exception of um, some journalism work that I did. So I wasn't quite ready to go back to graduate school when I graduated from college. So I um, worked in in um, marketing, PR, and communications for a little bit, um, and then I knew that okay, grad school, I'm going to be a clinical psychologist. So it was an evolutionary process, um, always with the seeds being planted early on. If that makes sense. Yeah, and and you're a mother yourself. I'm curious. How do you talk to your kids? Like looking back at like the trajectory of your career and like how many different things you dabbled in at first. You right. know, we send our kids to college and we're like, what do you want to be when you grow up? And it's like, how do we know? How, do they, and how does anybody know what they want to be when they're 18? So how do you talk to your kids about this, this whole situation? How old are they? Um, my kids uh, are 14. Okay. I have twin boys. Okay. And um, so they're 14 and they're very, very different, right? Um, so they're best friends, but they're very different in terms of their academic trajectory and their interests and just all of that stuff. So we're at a point now where, you know, starting high school next year, they'll be freshmen. And I really just want them to um, understand themselves and experiment, um, you know, with lots of different interests um, and really try as they're doing that to understand what fits and what doesn't. And obviously at 14, it's not going to be clear necessarily, but I'm always, you know, talking to them about sort of their thoughts and their feelings on what they've just experienced and, you know, where, what direction they might want to go. Also really important, and this is what I, I really try to foster as well, this belief in themselves, right? And this idea of not comparing themselves to others. Mm. 
one of my boys is at a really competitive independent school where the 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 focus can become very much on comparing self to other. And what I'm not doing as much math as the next guy, but dude, that's not necessarily your fundamental strength. It might not be where your fundamental interest lies. Don't force yourself, you know, let it evolve. Be in the moment. And so I really try to work on that. My other um, other son uh, struggles a little bit with a bit of dyslexia and things don't come as easily on an academic plane, but I want him to be able to identify the areas of strength. What What is he good at and how can he build on that to move forward? Um, so in very different places, but really it comes down to open discussion. It comes down to fostering self-awareness, fostering self-belief, and just hoping, you know, in time that it all comes together. But being there and being open to communicating um, sort of across the spectrum of where their interests lie is a thing that's most important to my husband and I. Hey, friends, this episode of the podcast is supported by Shoot Photography. Shoot has 30 minute outdoor sessions that are free to book, absolutely free to book, no sitting fee, and you only pay for the photos you love, which by the way, have a super quick turnaround time. These are perfect for family portraits, maternity, milestone birthdays, engagements, personal branding, you name it. Um, And these are in beautiful outdoor locations operating in over 60 cities around the country. It's pretty crazy. There were like six locations here in Raleigh. So you all can save 15% off five photos or more when you use the code SANDYBOY. So go see if they're in your market. Go to shoot.com. That's S-H-O-O-T-T.com. See if you're in their area. They probably are since they're in 60 locations. And book your session today. And then when you get your photos back, just use the code SANDYBOY and you'll get 15% off. Let me know what you think. I hope you love it as much as I do. Our family had pictures taken a few weeks ago and it was so quick and simple and we love them. So that's shoot.com. Use the code SANDYBOY once you get your pictures back for 15% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Wow. Okay. So as you're talking about this, I'm thinking about comparison in siblings as well. You know, mm-hmm. it's like I see this in adult friends and, and their siblings sometimes even and, and probably in my own as well. Like who was better at this sport? Who's the model? Who does this? You know, and it's like that we take these things into adulthood with us. Yes. And you're you just mentioned the big differences in your two boys academically. So mm-hmm. how do you talk to them them about that? Right. So, um, so difficult, um, in many ways, but, but okay. In other ways, because you see, we fostered this idea from an early, early age in both the boys, at least I think we have, um, that, you know, you might have a strength over here and, you know, you might have a strength over here, buddy. And, you know, that's okay. You know, again, it's coming back to this idea of what's typical for you. Mm. And also a big uh, sort of idea in the house here, because I think of my own early experiences, um, relates to this idea of um, respecting and understanding individual difference. And that goes back, obviously, to this idea that we're not all the same. And that's okay. And so, 
you know, I think the boys each support each other, you know, in their strengths, in their challenges, because that's a, that's another thing, you know, we, we also want, um, want them to be able to understand what the challenges are and understand that those need to be contended with too and moved through and beyond, you know, because challenge is real for all of us. So I don't know if that really answered your question, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, in more than anything right now, it just reminds me to be mindful of this, right? Like I have four kids and so Mm -hmm. they're all going to have different strengths and it's like I have to remember to like, push them to lean into their strengths, their, their individual strengths. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And not expect something from, you know, the same thing from all of them, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's talk about challenges. It's, it's one of those things where, I mean, this can be as basic as like, you want your kids to work hard if they commit to joining the basketball team or joining the tennis team. Like, You want to teach your kids the beauty of perseverance and Mm -hmm. what it means to work hard, even if it's not comfortable in the moment. Mm -hmm. So what are some things, and and that I'm talking about sports, which is like very basic and not like, you know, super emotional, but there are other challenges too. You know, perhaps they're bullied at school, whatever it is. How do we communicate with our kids how to overcome challenges and have perseverance. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a really, really important point. And it's so important for all of us in moving through and beyond, beyond challenge, not always easy, right. Depending on what the challenge is. And you mentioned bullying and that's, that's huge. Right. And for, for lots of kids, that's enough to shut them down completely. So again, it comes back to this idea of helping them to understand themselves from the inside out and helping them to sort of pinpoint their strengths that are going to help them to move through and beyond the challenge, whether it be bullying or otherwise. But often when it comes to bullying, it's, it's, it's a really hard concept for kids to grasp, but it's really important to at least plant the seed early that oftentimes when a kid is bullying another kid, it's because they don't feel so good about themselves. Mm. And again, that's a very abstract concept for, for a young child, even an adolescent, but it's really important to talk through that idea um, with the child to help them internalize that and help them to kind of grasp their own strengths, hold on to their own strengths as a way of moving forward. And as they do that sort of time and time again, you know, it will become sort of easier. It will become sort of more internalized and they'll be able to sort of develop um, kind of a a, um, shield against the bullying. And it's easier said than done. And I'm not meaning to simplify Mm. the complexities of bullying in any way, shape or form. But I think that talking through that idea with kids who are being bullied is really important and all challenges really. You know, how can we help them harness their strengths to move through and beyond challenge? How do we put our emotions aside? You know, I <laughs> I haven't experienced my kids being bullied yet. Um, and I don't know what feel, would feel more heartbreaking, my kid being bullied or knowing that my kid is being the bully. Like heartbreaking to see either of those things. Right. And I imagine if and when those circumstances come up, I'm going to feel really emotional, like really just really sad. Yeah. How do I need to 
present to my kids? <laughs> right. It's so hard, right? Because that is a very, very difficult question. I mean, you know, one of my boys um, was bullied early on. Um, and it was because he, um, you know, it, you know how lots of young kids, like six, seven-year-old boys, it's like, where's the football? Oh, I got the football. I'm happy. Mm-hmm. That's not Brady. He is much more sort of socially, emotionally aware, in tune, wanting to know why they took my football, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of a thing, you know, always the why behind the emotion. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't necessarily mesh very well with seven, eight-year-old boys, right? Um, so bullying ensued. And it was tough for me to watch this on the playground and have the tears after school every day and that sort of thing. While his brother had a much easier time with that whole scenario, you know, he was fine with where's my football, I'm good, you know, the rough and tumble thing. And so, you know, that did hurt my heart, you know, to witness um, these experiences. But, you know, sharing the fact that this, you know, hurt me too, but not going too deep into it, you know, sort of acknowledging that, yeah, buddy, this is really painful. Um, But let's think about what we can do tomorrow to make, you know, it easier for you. We're not going to probably make it go away. But, and this was when he was quite young, you know, six, seven, but again, very socially, emotionally in tune at that age. So I was able to have some of these more advanced conversations with him. Um, about sort of how to build a foundation from the inside out, how to create that internal locus of control to help navigate these difficult situations. Um, but that that piece, um, along with me acknowledging, yeah, buddy, this is really painful and this this stinks, but you know, we're going to get through it. You know, we're contending with this challenge. Might not wipe it out. And again, another really important piece to, to, uh, to communicate is this idea that we really can't change the attitudes and behaviors of another person. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I can't tell you how many, how many times I have this conversation with clients day in, day out, right? We just, we can't change the attitudes and behaviors of others. We have to kind of work with what's going on from the inside out as a way of moving through and beyond it. We need that as adults too. Exactly. Yes. I don't know if your clients are adults, but yeah, they're they're across the they're yeah. across the age range right now. So yeah. yes, and a lot of these conversations actually actually are with adults. I was yeah. just my husband and I we took the kids to the pool the other day. This is like our new thing. Pool every day. We joined like a neighborhood pool and awesome. We were watching all the kids playing and I don't even know what we were talking about. We were just talking about how like childhood is like such a small blip of mm-hmm. the entirety of your life if you're you know have the gift of living a long life and right. it's like man it's so hard for your kids to see that like long term you know I remember mm-hmm. in middle school somebody starting a rumor about me that was not true and it was just like the end of my world right the end right. of my world I, I mean I mm-hmm. still think about it on a regular basis it's kind of a funny story to tell now looking back but I remember feeling those feelings and it's like, oh, if you could just like get in their sweet little heads and say, this too shall pass. Right, right. Precisely. That's such a good and important point because it does. When you're in middle school, when you're in elementary school, that's your whole world and you don't really have the perspective to see beyond that. But now on the other side is we're kind of on the other side of that. It's like, oh, wow. So that really wasn't that 
you know, long a time because I, I experienced that kind of thing as well. I mean, for example, you know, in sixth grade, I, I came back from a medical event, um, really with a bizarre looking haircut and just, Mm. just didn't look like the other girls. And, you know, in sixth grade, the boys are starting to become like, you know, Oh, what is, you know, what do they look like? You know, that Mm -hmm. kind of thing, as horrible as that sounds, it's true. And it didn't go well for me. Didn't go well at all. And, um, you know, in those moments, it felt like, Oh, this is all encompassing, you know, enough to, but again, I had these other, facets in my life, which helped me to hold on to a belief in myself that in a quiet sort of way helped move me forward. I mean, the moving forward piece wasn't sort of a, you know, robust and obvious thing, but, you know, it helps me do it um, over time. And that's what's important. So resilience, that's kind of going to be the resounding theme of this episode, um, is what we're going to get into a little bit more now. When you talk to your kids about resilience, or when we talk to our kids about resilience, um, where do we even begin? Like, just here's the definition, and this is why you want to be resilient. Yeah, you know, it's, it's you, you don't even necessarily need to kind of define it in that way. It's sort of more about kind of Um, talking about this big idea of, you know, hey, we're all going to hit challenges. We're all going to have obstacles. The important thing here is how are we going to find an angle, find a way to move through and beyond that obstacle or challenge? Um, And that sort of, you know, defines resilience, right? And my boys have a sense of the actual definition because they were with me when I was um, rehearsing for my TED Talk. And um, I think they probably memorized it along the way. A good audience we, to practice on. Yeah, exactly. And then we, we brought them to the actual talk. Oh. So, so they got it, they got it kind of hammered in. Yeah, that was a super fun, super fun experience. They were um, in fifth grade at the time. And um, one of them was a little upset that there were no Rice Krispie treats left <laughs> at, intermen- at intermission. But, you know, I think they both got something out of it. But so from that perspective, they have the definition. But I think in the big picture, it's what's the big idea behind what it means to be resilient? And how can we break down with specific examples, you know, how we can implement this in our own life? Because, I mean, the fact is challenge is real for all of us. You know, there's not one kid, not one adult, not one person out there who's not going to encounter a challenge, big or small, probably each day, every day, you know. Totally. Yeah. And I was just, it's funny you said that because I was just thinking about that. Like I love taking my kids to work stuff with me. It's just so Mm -hmm. fun for them to get to see like, oh, this is what mom does or this is what dad does. Like it's so cool. Yes. Um, Love it. One of the things I was thinking about as you were talking is, you know, we can apply this to our own lives as adults is like when we're down and sad and things feel hard, what makes us feel better? it's doing things for other people. It's like Mm -hmm. focusing our attention on something that's not woe is me, right? Yes. So we can explain that to our kids like, hey, look out for the kids around you and things like that. But I wonder what are some like tangible things we can actually tell them or encourage them to do? Because, you know, I always tell my kids like, hey, if you see someone getting picked on or like if you see someone doing something that doesn't look like it's nice to someone else. Like don't just stand there. If you feel comfortable, like just maybe nudge the kid that's getting picked on and be like, I saw what happened. It's not cool. You know, just to give them a little support. But are there other things we can encourage them to do to um, like 
help other people? Yeah, that's a really, really good question. And so I really like your example of sort of noticing what's happening on the playground and sort of if you see something going on, you know, maybe step in. Not always easy for some kids, right? That's a really hard thing to do. And saw it here in my own house when the boys were were that age. You know, one of them uh, had a really hard time. The one who had an easier time socially, but a harder time academically, um, had a really hard time stepping in when the bullying was happening, you know, and saying, hey, guys, cut it out. Sure. Um, but, you know, an important thing to kind of foster nonetheless. But beyond that, I, I, I like to foster this idea of gratitude in kids and help them to understand what it means to notice what's going on around us, the good things that are going on around us and sort of internalize those because human nature really brings us to what are the challenges, what's hard, Mm -hmm. what's not going well. And I think kind of flipping that is really important for kids um, from an early age. And it really helps them to sort of expand their lens and be able to then more easily and more sort of inherently give back to those around them, so to speak, just kind of contribute. And also setting the foundation, setting the stage at home. What are the expectations that we have for our kids as um, members of the family? What do we expect them to do on a day-to-day basis? Is that empty the dishwasher? Is it feed the dog? Is it, you know, make sure your room is tidy? So fostering the idea of doing things that are going to benefit the greater good from an early age in those forms, I think is really important. I need to get so much better about expectations. (laughs) It's, it's, it's uh, not easy, right? It's, it's not. not easy. No, it's so not easy, particularly when, you know, you've got the pushback from your kids. Yeah. because you know, I'm not just, gonna do that. You just want to say it and then them agree. Like that's gonna be that easy. Um, right, of course. I was just thinking about this because we're heading into summer. My, my little two are home for the summer now. My big two get out next weekend. And mm-hmm. I'm like, I have got to set some like summer expectations. Like yes. you have more free time because you're not in school. So like you can contribute more to the house kind of thing. And I'm like already feeling anxious about the pushback I'm going to get. Right. The yeah. complaining. It, yes. And, and, and the pushback is real and it, it, and there's, you know, really not an easy way to kind of circumvent that because then you don't want to kind of, you know, get angry or mad or what right. have you, but you know, it's, it's how, how to strike that balance. But repetition and over time, you know, it starts to come more into focus if you just keep kind of setting the expectation. Hey, friends, I want to tell you about a sponsor of my other podcast. I'll have another. It's Koala Clip. I know a lot of you are probably active parents on the go. And the Koala Clip is this really cool pouch that you can carry your phone with on the go. I take it with me on runs or bike rides anytime I'm out and about, and you just clip it to the back of your sports bra if you have a Razorback sports bra, and it doesn't move around, and also it stays dry. Even if you are like totally sweaty or you get rained on, it stays totally dry. And it's the first product I've ever used on the go like that where it doesn't bounce around and drive me crazy. 
You can save 10% when you go to koalaclip.com and use the code ANOTHER at checkout. That's koalaclip.com. Use the code ANOTHER at checkout. They also have a really soft sports bra that I'm super into. It is the Ren sports bra. The best material ever, the perfect amount of padding, not too much, not too little, and very supportive. It's only $39, which I think is a really good deal for a top-of-the-line sports bra. So go to koalaclip.com, use the code ANOTHER for 10% off your order. All right, friends, back to the show. Okay, so your book, Bounce, (laughs) tell us a little bit about Bounce. Sure. So Bounce is essentially, um, you know, a book kind of encapsulating my kind of thoughts and philosophies on this idea of, you know, helping your kids to build resilience and thrive and kind of hits on seven main categories, sort of this idea of tolerating frustrations and managing emotions. And that is such an important point in terms of uh, kind of being resilient and the ability to move through and beyond challenge. Because we can probably as, as adults kind of uh, experience this, you know, sort of if our stress response is not well managed, if we're sort of starting up here and then a stressor hits and we like shoot up mm, to here, totally. it's going to be really hard to navigate, right? So just like with adults, we want to help kids to sort of modulate, find ways to modulate their stress response on a consistent basis so they're more easily able to tolerate, you know, the inevitable frustrations and challenges that are going to come up. How do we teach them that? <laughs> right. I know, right? So easier said than done again. But, you know, there's some some sort of tried and true techniques. I love the idea of teaching kids, even in small, um, small snippets, to meditate um, because that really does kind of bring down their stress response and helps them to sort of modulate it over time. So whether that's kind of listening to um, a meditation, kind of short meditation before sleep or kind of finding ways to help them take a step back, take a deep breath, you know, before reacting. Um, Those are things that are really, really helpful. So that's an important one. Bounce also looks at this idea of navigating um, friendships and social pressures, Mm -hmm. sort of addresses the bullying appreciation um, for understanding individual difference, which is a huge sort of um, focus for me and has been a focus in our house in terms of teaching the boys, because I think in large part of my own experience growing up, um, sort of this idea of respecting and appreciating individual differences is, I think, at the core of so much. So you mentioned the social anxiety part, and Mm -hmm. I just wanted to chime in because I've thought about this a lot. I'm like pretty extroverted and kind of Mm -hmm. like when I'm at a party, I'm like bouncing around talking to everybody. Yeah. Yeah. Unless of course it's like, you know, three days before my period and I'm just like, "Ah, I'm on. (laughs) Um, But um, I've thought about that a lot with kids because it's like, Mm -hmm. okay, I have four kids and like, what are the chances that they're all going to be extroverted like that? Right. Like they're all going to have that. And so sometimes I don't understand that social anxiety that piece you're talking mm. about. And so um, I don't know really what the question is, but I'm j- I just, as we're talking through this and thinking about like how to communicate with your kids when they're feeling super anxious about like jumping into a social situation. 
Right. Yeah. And that's a really good question and a really important point, right? Because not all kids are going to be wired in the same way um, to allow them to sort of enter into social situations like that. And it really, again, comes down to helping the child to understand him or herself, right? Sort of understand sort of, and they might not be able to articulate it depending on sort of developmentally where they are, but kind of what's going on? What feels hard right now? And, you know, really kind of letting them know in some of those moments, it's okay. You know, we have to do what feels right, you know, and also, though, you know, encouraging them to join in in small steps, you know, it might not be a big splash into the pool, but it might be kind of a, a, a longer process and helping them to understand that whatever their personal style is, it's, it's okay. And, you know, kind of trying to help them navigate like that. I took you off path. Were you going to say one more thing about the book? Um, well, I was just going to uh, sort of follow through on kind of all of the different things that that were were in the book. And so then we talk about focus and attention, courage, motivation, optimism, and building confidence. Those are all the sort of main subtopics in the book. And then there are anecdotal stories to illustrate each one. And, you know, we go from there. But really... Um, much of what's in the book we're kind of covering in a sense right here in our in our conversation. Love it. Um, you know, I was thinking also back to when we were talking about the kid jumping in with the bullying and just like saying, hey, like I saw what happened. It's not right. I just wanted to like touch on that a little bit more because as I was thinking about it, I'm like, some kids are going to be terrified to do something like that because then they're afraid they'll get bullied, right? They're afraid yep. they'll be pulled into whatever this kid was happening. So, you know, part of me to my kids wants to say, you have to stand up for other kids, but it's like, they're kids. Like, you know, it's, it's a scary, scary thing. So I don't even know where I'm going with that, but I was just thinking through that more. It's like not saying like our kids have to do that. They're just, there are different ways to handle it. Exactly. You're you're exactly right on with that because, you know, again, it's not going to be, easy for, I would say, a majority of kids to do that. But what could be another angle on it is to sort of notice that it's going on and maybe tell a trusted adult, that sort of thing. And then you worry about being the tattletale in the group. Totally. But, you know, if you're if you're able to do that in sort of a, a subtle, non nonchalant way, or, you know, telling your parents and have them help to navigate the situation, you know, that's another way of handling it. Um, because it is, it's really, the reality is really, really challenging, but I'll tell you a a quick story about that. We had, um, when my boys were in fourth grade, um, there were some unfortunate bullying situations going on at the school that didn't necessarily have to do with, uh, my son who was experiencing the bullying, but it, they had to do with, um, an assistant teacher who was very, very young and he wasn't treating a lot of the kids very well. And my son, who had experienced his own form of bullying, um, was really, really sensitive to this. And it really, really bothered him. Um, And so this issue kept coming up, kept coming up. And they held this thing called a kindness meeting for uh, the fourth grade. And, you know, the principal was there. Everyone was there. The teachers were there. And the principal gave the kids an opportunity to say something. And all the kids were quiet. 
but my son who had experienced bullying himself stood up Mm. and said what he had experienced or witnessed or watched. And that took a lot of courage for him because he was, you know, I mean, it was, it was hard. Um, But after he did that, each and every boy in that grade, even the ones who bullied him stood up and backed him up and shared their experiences. Right. So sometimes it's a question of um, somebody taking the lead and, you know, because all those kids knew that what was happening was wrong. Right. And so it was just a really interesting sequence, I think. Even, you know, our other son, who's quite quiet in those situations, quite the observer, even though he he struggles with what's happening, he stood up and they all reinforced each other. And it was quite a powerful um, experience for all of them. Well, and that's courage. Right, right. Yeah, it was it was courage. And, you know, our guy stood up, he, he harnessed that courage But that um, sort of, uh, you know, encouraged others to do the same. And so that was a really positive example of how that how that can happen. So sometimes, you know, kids will hold back. um, But if they find that courage to step forward, they might be surprised at who will also step up and be like, yeah, stop treating him like that. That's not very nice. You know, that kind of a thing. And perhaps if we had more of that going on, um, we could cut down on some of the bullying that's that's happening out there. And I know that's sort of a simplistic fix, and there is no simplistic fix for bullying. It's a very, very complex and um, difficult issue, but, you know, just a thought. What is it about, like, humans? Like, some of us are just more uh, wired to to do that, to be the person that speaks out, to be the person that'll stand up to, you know what I mean? Like, and Mm -hmm. I think as a parent, that can be difficult because you might, if you see one of your kids doing this, you might expect Mm -hmm. the other ones to do that as well. But there is just some some way that we're, so there's like nature and nurture. How much of it is like who we are when we were born and how much of it is like the influence of our parents and other um, adult mentors in our life? Right. You know, and that's a really good question. And sort of we, we, we ask ourselves that question here all the time because we have two boys, twins. Sure. Same exact exposures, same exact sort of influences. So, so different mm-hmm. in their approach to, to those types of issues and, and otherwise. And so, you know, I really believe that Um, a majority of it is how we're born. Mm -hmm. And then those aspects are reinforced. And then other aspects can be added on top based on sort of nurturing and example and, you know, what we're taught and sort of how well that the things that we're taught are integrated over time, if that makes sense. Totally. So what's your message to a parent who is just struggling with a child who, um, is struggling with their own challenges. Right. So, yeah, you know, it's it's really um, believing in your child. Mm-hmm. Um, believing in your child at sort of a fundamental level that, you know, we'll figure this out. We'll, we'll, we'll understand sort of how to circumvent these challenges, helping the parent to see that, yeah, they're challenges, but my child also has strengths. My child also has things that are are going well and helping them to sort of balance their focus on both. 
um, as a way of finding that path for moving forward, because there's always possibility on the other side of challenge. That's what I would, that's what I would say to that parent. And I love, we're going to figure this out together. I love that too. Yeah, Um, absolutely. Of course, our goal is to eventually have them figure all these things out (laughs) and move out of the house. But like we always, I also want to teach my kids, like rely on your network. Like, you know, you don't always have to figure everything out on your own. Exactly. That's such an important point. And so relying on your network, sort of understanding what your resources are out there and how to bring those in to help, you know navigate whatever it is that's going on. Really, really important point. Yeah. And I think um, just last point on that, and then we're going to do into podcast questions here is I think that when our kids see us doing that, our kids see us bringing out over food or flowers for the neighbor because like they just had a baby or their mom died or something. And then they see neighbors doing that in return. I just think it's so important that we model that with our community as adults so that our kids see, oh, that's how you live in community. Exactly. Yes, that is that is a really excellent point. And that, you know, really goes along with that idea of sort of fostering gratitude and fostering this idea of, you know, being a contributing member of whatever it is, whatever community you're you're living in. So excellent point. All right, Kate, um, what is something professionally or personally in your life that you have not done that you still want to do? Hmm. Interesting. Great question. And, you know, I've been thinking a lot about that lately. Um, and it's professional voiceover. Oh, fun. Um, I really would like to do that. I, um, I could I totally re- see that based on this conversation. Yeah, I would, I would love it. Right. I I did some radio back in the day and, um, I would just love to love to do that. And that's actually something I'm exploring right now. So that would be it. Okay. I'm pushing you to that. I just like to compliment you. You have a very nice voice. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It's like we're given this voice, right? Like we can't do anything about it for the most part. You can get some lessons and stuff, but like, this is our God given voice and you have a nice voice. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Um, what is the best, most recent book you've read? Wow. So haven't had a lot of time for reading lately, but a book that I did read quite recently is The Power of Habit Mm. and really, um, really enjoyed that from a professional as well as personal perspective, because it really talks about um, sort of why we do what we do and gives us pretty concrete tips on, you know, breaking habits that we'd like to to break to sort of better ourselves or or foster our potential. but, you know, I really like it because it, it focuses on this point of it doesn't have to be all or nothing. Mm-hmm. And in my work, I'm constantly coming up against this, uh, this sort of idea that folks are saying, well, I can't, I can't do that because, you know, I can't do it. I'm like, but if we can start small, you know, and this book really um, reinforces that point. Okay. We can start small, take things one, one step at a time. Um, we can make the changes that we want to make to move us towards our potential. So So that's kind of why I really um, resonated with that book. I always think about that with exercise. Like people think that it's got to be this like big production. It's like, no, commit to moving your body 30 minutes a day. Precisely. Whether it's a walk or 20 minutes, a walk, a bike ride, whatever it is. Like it doesn't have to be this big production. 
Precisely. That is a huge point. And yeah, exercise is one of the things that was sort of coming to my mind as I was reading this book, because that's, you know, such a, a, a stumbling point for so many people. Um, and if they just could embrace this idea of, you know, it doesn't have to be all or nothing, commit to moving your body for 30 minutes, and you'd be amazed at the positive uh, movement that you would that you would experience. I think oftentimes that's why we don't start things because we're just scared of the like totality of it and the bigness of it. And it's like, just do a little bit, just do a little bit. Exactly. Exactly. And that's the thing that's going to move you towards peak performance, really. Forward motion. Yes. Um, Do you have a kid's book you recommend? So whenever I'm asked that question, um, I jump to the Diary of a Wimpy Kid series. Okay. And I'll tell you why. It's not something I would grab off the shelf, sure. right? And it's certainly not something, but, but why I really like it is so I, I have, as I, as I mentioned, boys who are on totally different ends of the reading spectrum back in the day, right? And so my one guy who's very academically focused, you know, sucked that series down um, when he was in like first grade, you know, just loved it. And so that was great. That was fostering his early reading skills. And my other guy who struggled with reading a little bit, um, you know, took a bit longer, but he also picked up on it Mm -hmm. and read through it at his own pace. Um, And so it engaged both boys in different ways at different times. But because of that, um, I really kind of have gravitated towards that. And well, you know, it's, it's humor that will will really make you kind of laugh in a, in a funny kind of way. Um, but yeah, that's what I would say about, about a kid's book. Love it. And then what is your last message to leave with our audience today? Well, you know, really, um, really similar to sort of the, the other message is just, I really want to tell people or, or hope that people will stay focused on the possibilities in front of them. You know, it's so easy to get bogged down by challenge and challenge is real and it has to be contended with, but you know, despite, um, despite that, regardless of the level of the challenge, don't lose sight of the possibility in front of you. Thank you so much, Dr. Kate Lund. Excellent. Thank you so much. I greatly appreciate it. All right, everybody. Thanks so much for being here today. Thank you, Kate, for sharing your story. You can learn more about this podcast and the podcast network when you go to sandyboyproductions.com. If you want to get added to our email list so that the show notes with all the things we talked about, all the sponsor codes, all the books we recommended, uh, go to sandyboyproductions.com and click on the why is everyone yelling tab. You can sign up to get that newsletter or you can just email Emma, the amazing editor and production assistant behind this podcast, Emma at sandyboyproductions.com and we can get you added to our newsletter. Thank you so much for being here today. Share the show with a friend if you think it'll be helpful for them and have a really great rest of your week. We will see you next week on Why Is Everyone Yelling?